Meat is the yardstick of protein food. The American Meat Institute presents The Life of Riley, a half hour with radio's newest and friendliest family, and starring William Bendix as Riley. To find out what we should eat and why, scientists must have standards of measurement. They have to find out what different foods are made of, what they do for us when we eat them, and how much we need. One essential of our daily diet is protein foods. And here, the measurement, or yardstick, is meat. That's because meat contains all of the protein essentials our bodies need in the right proportions. That's why other protein foods are measured against it. Why meat? is the yardstick of protein foods. And now, the life of Riley. Well, the Rileys have really settled down in their pleasant little six-room house they're renting right outside of Los Angeles. Tonight is Riley's bowling night, so he isn't at home. And maybe that's just as well as far as Barbara, the Riley's 16-year-old daughter, is concerned. Just wait till your father hears about this, young lady. I don't see why you have to tell, Dad. If you weren't 16 and tall for your age, I'd take you over my knee myself. But, Mother, it's my great opportunity. Why, you have to have talent to get into the Van Plantan workshop. Theater. Theater? Oh, stop talking like that, Barbara Riley. You've had your tonsils out. <laughs> well, you can laugh. But Professor Van Plantan says I have a natural gift for acting. Mm. With such a gift, why did it cost you $25? Well, Mother, $25 is a mere nothing. It's not so mere the way your father has to work for it. All I can say is I hope he won every game at the bowling alley tonight so he'll be in a good mood. Oh, Mother, he won't be home early, will he? Well, he certainly will, or I'll want to know why. <laughs> but... But, Mother, I'm expecting some company to drop in tonight. Well, what of it? Your father doesn't mind your having the girls here. <laughs> it uh, isn't exactly girls I'm expecting, Mother. It's a boy. A boy? Yes. Menton Clinton II. Oh, you don't mean that rich Mr. Clinton who owns the big department store. His son? His grandson, Mother. I met him at the Van Plantan... Theater. He's written a play, Mother, and there's a wonderful part in it for me. Well, we'd better fix up this room. I, I think I'll light some of this incense Uncle Baxter gave me Christmas. We had cauliflower for supper. <laughs> oh, Mother, incense. Minton just wants to read me his play. I know, dear, but a boy like Minton from a fine home. Now, let's see. He can sit here by the fire. Oh, Mother... You'll keep Dad in the kitchen, won't you? Oh, no, no. He'll want to sit here in his own chair and read Esquire. <laughs> but I want Minton to sit in that chair, please. Don't see how, unless he wants to sit in your father's lap. <laughs> oh, Mother, this is serious. We can't have Dad in here when Minton reads his play. Well, why? Isn't it the kind of play your father should hear? 
Oh, oh, there's Minton now. Now, go change your dress, dear. I'll let him in and keep him talking. It isn't a party, Mother. It's just reading a play. Yes? Coming! Well, come right in. I'd be in, only I lost my key. Right. It's you. Well, sure it's me. Who was you expecting? General Eisenhower? <laughs> I'd have been here sooner, only I stopped at the drugstore and got... What's on fire? Well, there's no fire, dear. Then I smell punk. <laughs> it's only incense, dear. Oh, Riley, now don't start unlacing your shoes. Keep them on. What for? I'm home for the night. Oh, Mother, did I hear the doorbell? Oh, it's you, Daddy. What is all this? It's you stuff. Ain't I expected home no more? Don't say ain't, dear. What's going on here? Punk sticks all over. Babs has got her hair up like I don't like it. Now you start knocking my pronunciation. Grammar, Daddy. Oh, is that so? Well, let me tell you something, Barbara. I'm on to you. I just found out how you've been spending your money. Mother, he knows. You bet I know. Witherspoon, the druggist, told me. Well, the druggist? Well, what's he got to do with it? That's where she spent the money. Forty cents buying sodas for some young squirt. Oh, forty cents. Well, it was one day when Minton happened to be a little short. Yeah, Witherspoon said the guy was a runt. Uh, Riley, that boy was Minton Clinton the second. He'll be Minton Clinton the last if I catch up. But, but Father. Barbara, you keep away from those pinball tilters. If any boys want to see you, let them come here to your own home and try to get in. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if Minton did come to see us. Okay, tell him to drop by in about ten years. <laughs> oh, Barbara, dear, go change your dress. All right, Mother. Riley, Babs is expecting Minton Clinton to drop in tonight. Oh, so that's it. Okay, let that grifter come. And tomorrow there'll be one empty stool down at the soda fountain. <laughs> now... Riley, will you please be sensible? I'm warning you, Witherspoon's banana split sign will be hung at half mast. <laughs> Minton Clinton is a very nice boy for our daughter to know. Uh, Why, his people own Clinton's department store. Uh, maybe that was Minton I seen down at the store. They had him stood up in a window. Now, when the boy gets here, make him feel at home. Well, what'll I do? Dress up as a floor walker and show him around? <laughs> I'll open it. Riley, be polite. Name once when I wasn't. Good evening. First floor, rugs, lamps, chairs. <laughs> Just... Riley, my dear nephew, have you gone mad? Oh, oh, it's you, Uncle Baxter. Hey, Mom, lock the icebox. <laughs> Riley, I wouldn't have to ring if you'd let me have a key. I don't mind giving you a room on the cuff, but no key. Next thing I know, you'll sublet your closet to a troop of midgets. Mother, did I hear the doorbell? Oh, it's you, Uncle Baxter. Perhaps with an odd greeting. 
Uncle Baxter, Barbara's expecting a boy to drop in. Well, I'm glad I came home. It'd be well for Barbara's young friend to catch a glimpse of a stern old uncle in the background, eh? Stern, yet with the stamp of an aristocrat. An aristocrat who can't buy a stamp. <laughs> Will you come help me fasten up my back, Mother? Yes, dear. Now you two behave when Minton comes. Minton? Yeah, some young snapper whipper is coming over to see Ben. I guarantee you my daughter ain't going to be Mrs. Minton Clinton. Minton Clinton? Of, of the department store family? Well, Riley, this is tremendous. What's a department store? Nothing but a big push cart without wheels. <laughs> no, Riley, the Clintons are very influential. Somewhere in that store, there might be a job for me. Tomorrow you can promote him for a job. Tonight he's coming to see my daughter. Aha, the wolf is at the door. <laughs> Leave him in and stand back. Riley, let me handle the lad, eh? Mr. Clinton, I presume? Um, yes, sir. Is, um, is Miss Riley at home? She's always home. I don't leave her run around loose. <laughs> Come right in, my young merchant prince. What's that bundle under your arm, bub? You ain't delivering for the store, are you? Oh, <laughs> no, sir. This is my portfolio. It contains some literature. Uh, selling magazines. Huh? Riley, a Clinton peddling papers? Hardly. <laughs> now sit down, my dear Minton. Welcome to our humble home. Now let's get this straight. My humble home. Oh, I, <laughs> I beg your pardon, Mr. Riley. Perhaps I wasn't expected this evening. Oh, yes, you was. I've been laying for you all night. <laughs> Tell me, Minton, has the manpower shortage affected your grandfather's store at all at all? Oh, I don't know anything about business, Mr. Uh, um, Turnbull, uh, Baxter Turnbull, the Boston Turnbulls, you know. Uh, Minton, uh, I suppose your people would like to know something of Barbara's family. Very well. Now, the Rileys are a simple people. A father, for example, very simple. <laughs> I will give Minton the dope. Kid, we rent this house, but the furniture is all our own, except that hook drug there, which was hooked by Uncle Baxter. Um, on the mother's side, they are related to me. But don't let that queer it. Minton, what's your racket? Uh, what do you do for a living? I write plays. What? Plays at your age? Yeah, you ought to be out playing baseball. Oh, I'm afraid that I do not excel at sports. My glasses deter me. My interest is the theater. The theater? Uh, yes, sir. And I'm overjoyed that Barbara's going to play an important part in my new play. Well, excellent, excellent. Listen, uh, Bob, my girl ain't going to be no actress. But she has to. She's already paid her $25. What? You mean she paid you money to act? Well, of all the... No, Riley, be serene. <laughs> Count your blessings. <laughs> this kid is a con game artist. He's practicing to be another Uncle Baxter. But Barbara... <laughs> Barbara's playing the title role, and that's worth $25. Venus, the goddess of love. Venus? You mean that dame with only hair for clothes on and no arms? Oh, in my play, Venus has arms. And at the final curtain, she throws about the neck of her lover and says... Get out of my house, you chiseler. <laughs> Riley. I demand respect for Minton, who, despite his family's fantastic wealth, is one of my dearest chums. Oh, it's all right, Mr. Turnbull. A playwright learns to expect rebuff. O'Neill, Kaufman, Hart, 
We all face it. Did I hear the doorbell? That ain't all you're going to hear. I'll give you paying dough to this swindler. What, Daddy? Uh, Barbara, your father seems to think that it was I who um, received your acting fee. Well, I would stake my honor on this lad's ethics. Did you, Minton? <laughs> Dad, I paid that to Professor Van Plantan, and Minton paid $50 to get his play produced. I don't care what he paid. He can afford it. Why, he cannot. He hasn't any more money than I have. Well, I do not regret the expenditure. I wanted to see Barbara in my play. Oh, she's wonderful. Wait a minute, Minton. You mean to say you paid out 50 bucks to see my Babs act because she's wonderful? Yes, he did. And you couldn't afford it? Uh, well, uh, my family are the poor relations of the rich Clintons. They don't even talk to us. Oh, they don't, huh? Hey, where are you going, Uncle Baxter? Poor relations. Excuse me, Minton. I think that's your name. That boy's a fraud and a climber. <laughs> Minton, you're nobody like us? Mit me, pal. Ouch. Thank you, sir. Did you have any dinner? Yes, sir, thank you. You're okay. Now, you listen, kids. What's the name of this school that clipped you to? Professor Van Pancake, is it? Okay, I'll get the dough back for you. Both of you. Oh, I don't want it back. I want to see Barbara in my play. Daddy, please, my career. Why, that jip artist. Rooking kids for their dough. You two stay here while I go to work on that prop. I'll be back, don't worry. Oh, Mother, he's going to the Van Plantan Theater. Yeah, to the theater. I'm going to put on a drummer entitled, Hang Back the Dough, Professor, or your arm will be in a cat. <laughs> While Riley heads for the dramatic school, this is Ken Nile saying, let's turn the clock ahead a few hours and turn the spotlight back and forth across the land. It isn't dawn yet, but in the cold and dark of far-off farm lots, farmers and ranchers are loading hogs or sheep or cattle into a truck or stock car. Iowa, Montana, Texas, Minnesota, everywhere you look, you see this flood of meat animals growing, swelling, converging into vast herds. Thousands upon hundreds of thousands. Where is it all going? Why, except for some that goes to our fighting allies, it's all going to you. To you and your family. Whether it's a son or brother fighting on a front 10,000 miles away, or your own little brood gathered around the family table. And how does it get from there to here? Did you ever stop to wonder how this vast supply of meat finds its way to your corner store or to the mess kit of a soldier across the sea? There's a bridge to carry the meat, straight and sure and safe, wherever it's needed most. A bridge that is broad and sturdy, your meat industry. It serves the farmer as his market. It serves you as your source of supply. Across this bridge, provided by the meat industry, there flowed last month a record number of animals. Cattle, calves, lambs, and hogs. Enough animals to produce more than two billion pounds of meat. Here on this bridge, this meat was turned into roasts for military camps, cans of stew to be warmed on a tank motor in Italy, K-ration meat for a man in a Pacific foxhole, or cuts of meat for you here at home. The thing is, the bridge which the meat industry has built in peacetime has been built so well that it can serve the nation well under the urgent demands of war. <laughs> 
And now, back to the life of Riley. When we left Riley, he was determined to get Barbara's money and mittens back from Professor Van Plantan, who operates the workshop theater. At the moment, Riley is just outside the door to the professor's reception room. Professor Van Plantan. Voice, posture, self-expression, and drama. Please enter. You're darn right I'll please enter. Excuse me, lady. Yes? Is there something you wish? Yeah, I wish that phony Professor Van Bandstand to get in here. You gotta watch while I take him apart. Say that again. I wish that phony Professor Van... What's the matter, lady? Why are you looking at me like that? Ah, what an entrance. Huh? What pose, what verb. Please, hold that pose. I didn't come here to pose, lady. I'm here on business. And when I get a hold of that crooked... Oh, that voice, what timbre. What vibrato do I hear in your voice? You ain't heard nothing, lady. Wait till I start on that professor. I'll beat his ears off. I am the professor. Oh. Oh, well, don't worry, lady. Your ears are safe with me. Only I thought so... Say that again. <laughs> your ears are safe with me. I, I mean, are you Professor Fantan? Don't move. Let me look at you from this angle. What for? Oh, better than I dared hope. The profile is magnificent. That amazing nose. Where did you get that nose? <laughs> In a football game. The Flatbush Bear Huggers against the Rockaway Swamp Rats. I kicked three goals. Oh, but it's perfect. Everything is perfect. The resonant voice, the flashing eye, the ruddy complexion of perfect health. Tell me, you're, you're not wearing makeup, I hope. Makeup? Do I look like a guy that wears makeup? Listen, Mrs. Professor, do you know who I am? I'm the... I know who you are. You are the man I've been searching for. The man for whom the world is waiting. Nobody's waiting for me except my wife. She's expecting me to bring home that dough. Dough? What is dough? Money. Money. Money is dross. What is money? What is dross? <laughs> to think... Tonight, I have discovered a new star. Look, Professor, I'm no star. Just hand over my daughter's money. I, I mean her draw, uh, you know, the doll. Never. Not if I live a hundred years. Never will I forget how you walked in that door. What an entrance. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the nicest doors I've ever seen. Look, I'm sorry I said what I said, Professor. I thought you was a man. No. I am only a woman. Well, that's nothing to knock. <laughs> Lots of people are women. Now, about Barbara's money. And uh, Minton's. Uh, money? I will give you something more precious than money. Gasoline? <laughs> I will give you pain. Yes, that's it. I must tell the whole world that you have been found. Listen, I ain't even been lost. <laughs> Hello? Publicity department? This is Professor Van Plantan. My weary search is ended. I have found him. 
Yes, our new star. Notify all newspapers, then for photographers. Hey, wait a minute. That's I... all for now. Goodbye. Goodbye. No, no, you, you can't go yet. We must talk. Look, Professor Santev, I, I come here kind of soft, but I, seeing as you're a woman... Ah, I... yes. Tonight, you have made me know that I am only a woman, after all. And you, you are a man. Yeah, so they say. <laughs> hey, uh, what are you moving that lamp for? There was a highlight on your nose. I, I was dazzled. Uh, but now we must talk. I want to know the real you. As I was about to say, you, you could mail me a check for the dough. Oh, what superb power of expression. An instinctive actor. I ain't no actor. I don't want to be no actor. Listen, lady, I got to work and support a family. Oh, but as an actor, you can make $3,000 a week. But I got... Uh, 3000 a week? Yes. How about overtime? Yes. <laughs> We shall work overtime, rehearsing line after line, scene after scene. In a year, you'll have your own theater under your own name. Uh, what is your name? Riley, Chester Riley. Riley. Oh, it will soon be world famous. It's a perfect name, easy to remember. Yeah, that's right. I, I never forget it. <laughs> hello, hello, publicity. The name of our new star is Riley. Just use the last name as we did with Muni. And put it in light over the theater. No, wait, wait. Riley, how big do you want your name on the theater? How big is the theater? Put his name in light ten feet high. Goodbye. Goodbye, Professor. No, wait, wait. I will give you your first lesson. Couldn't I start tomorrow? I'd be a star one day later. We will begin with the first scene of the first act of your first play. You enter, you take me in your arms and say, Venus, I am madly, hopelessly, desperately in love with you. I, I couldn't say that. I, I don't even talk to my wife that way, and I know her personally. <laughs> Besides, this place supposed to star my daughter. Ah, oh, we shall give dear Barbara a smaller part. And somewhere, we shall find a great leading lady to play opposite you. Someone who is your equal. Yeah, how about Catherine Hepburn? Is she working? Ah, oh, the great Bernhardt must envy me tonight as I bask in the warmth of your burning talent. You know, I really got to be going. Now, 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 put this arm about my waist. So. Wait, wait. Publicity? Print tickets for a year's run. He's terrific. Uh, would it wreck the show if I caught the last streetcar? It's getting kind of late. Ah, uh, what is time to a great artist? Come, put your arms around me again. So, now say the line, your first line. Venus, I am madly, hopelessly, desperately in love with you. I am uh, madly... <laughs> Say it, uh, ain't it getting a trifle warm in here? <laughs> Hello? Yes? Oh, such a nuisance. All right. Uh, Riley, the bank is closed, and the publicity department needs a little money to put a deposit on the extra tickets. Uh, have you $200? Me? 200 bucks? No, all I got is 80 smackers. Oh, that'll 
Sue, may I have it? But I didn't figure on, I mean... The... Oh, I almost forgot. Uh, not only are you the star of Venus, the goddess of love, you are also the co-producer. You get half the profits. Half the profits? Well, gee, can a show like this make any dough? Well, why not? This is the army coined millions. Yeah, that's right. They only had four words in their title. We got five. Here's the 80 bucks. And here, my star, is the script. Study it. Work with it. Live with it. I'll sleep with it. <laughs> I'll phone you about rehearsals. Ah, oh, how that audience will thrill to the power of your magnetic personality when you hold Venus in your arms. Oh, Walter Pigeon, look to your laurel now. Yeah. Well, good night, Professor. Good night. Ah, oh, Walter Pigeon. Look to your laurel and hardy now. Venice, I am mad and hopeless about you, babe. Oh, here it is, 11 o'clock, and your father is going to be back in an hour. Well, maybe Daddy missed the bus. They run so seldom. Oh, well, you go to bed. I'll wait up for your father. Oh, there's Daddy now, coming up the walk. Hmm. Go to bed just the same. Something tells me I want to talk to your father alone. Yes, Mother. Gosh, I hope he was nice to the professor. Riley, do you realize I've been sitting here for four hours worrying myself sick? Where have you been? Just tell me that. Where have you been? Say that again. <laughs> I said, where have you been? The idea of going off and not letting a soul know what's happening. Did you get the money back or what? Ah, that voice. What an overtone. <laughs> what an undertone. Uh, Riley, dear, uh, are you all right? Don't move. Just hold that pose. Yep, it's even better than I dared hope for. Peg the profile of your nose. What an entrance. You're going to be a star. Oh, me a star? Oh, Riley, now don't tell me that you've got the acting bug now. It ain't no bug. It's talent. I'm crawling with talent. <laughs> and you were going down there to get back Barbara's $25. What is money? Just some dross. What a thrill. How the great heartburn must envy me now. You're going to have fame. Oh, Riley, I'm no actress and I never intend to be... Who are you phoning? Hello? Professor? It's Riley. Yeah. Yeah, call publicity. Tell the newspapers I have found her. My leading lady. Print extra tickets. Put her name in lights. No, only five feet high. She ain't as tall as me. Yeah, let it read. Riley presents Riley and Riley. Goodbye. Oh, Riley, of all the crazy things I ever heard in Dumplin? my... At the rise of the curtains, you are standing there, and I come in and I say, Venice, I am hopeless. A week from today, a new simplified ration plan will go into effect. Except for three sets of green and two sets of brown stamps, good at present values until March 20th, you'll use only one ration book, ration book number four, for food. 
Red and blue stamps in that book, regardless of numbers on them, will all have the same value, 10 points. You'll be allowed to use approximately six red stamps for meat and related products and five blue stamps for processed foods each month. Instead of getting your point change in stamps, you'll get it in the new tokens. Change from red stamps will be in red tokens, from blue stamps, blue tokens. Each token worth one point. Tokens have no expiration date. The American Meat Institute brings you this information as a service to you in your shopping. And may we again remind you that any kind or cut of meat, regardless of price or points, brings you complete, highest quality proteins. Yes, meat is the yardstick of protein foods. All statements regarding the nutritional value of meat made on this program are accepted by the Council on Foods and Nutrition of the American Medical Association. Riley, once and for all, I'm no actress. But, Peg, it's a great angle. Two stars being married to each other. Look at Lunch and Fountain. Riley, it's Lunch and Fontaine. To me, of course, they're just Lynn and Alfred. But, but, Daddy, you will see to it that I get some part in Met and Play, won't you? Listen, Babs, if I say you're in the play, you're in it. I forgot to tell you, I'm also the producer. I get half the profit. Riley. Did you give that Professor Van Plantan money, too? I can see the lights now. Riley presents Riley. Chester Riley. Yeah, Dumplin'. Did you invest any money in this play? Well, it's nothing to speak of. Only 80 bucks. Oh, 80 dollars. Well, yeah, but I get half of all the profits. See, I already made 40 dollars. <laughs> Follow the life of Riley next week at this same time. William Bendix appears on this program by arrangement with Hal Roach and can be seen currently in the motion picture Lifeboat. The Life of Riley was directed by Don Bernard with music by Lou Kozloff and came to you from Hollywood. This is Ken Nile saying, see you next week. This is the Blue Network. <laughs>